world's authority on Shaman King, and I think you should listen to everything he has to say. Today we are reviewing for the Anime for All podcast, and uh, we're talking about um, Shaman King and its many similarities to Dragon Ball Z and other popular animes. Um, Jacques, do you want to summarize what the episode's like this week? Oh, wait, we got to look at analytics. It looks like we've picked up six new viewers from Brazil, um, one from Anaconda, and two from Ethiopia, which is fantastic. Um, hello to Brazil. And um, one from Anaconda, and two from Ethiopia, which is fantastic. Um, hello to Brazil. Hello, you still there? <laughs> I muted you just so I could listen to the to the to the to the switch. Like, so I was like, I had to listen. I had to listen to you know, the uh to the to a Twitch log. I, was, I was like, are we live? I want, I want, I didn't want to stop you because you're on a roll. <laughs> I guess on the topic of the analytics, I mean, well, first of all, uh, that, well, I mean, you already did everything here. Yeah, I'm the Game 109 <laughs> with Jock Spirit Helmet. We're here for the next episode of For the Anime for All podcast. We are reaching the end of the year. This has been a wild ride. Uh, don't, I don't think season three for us will be starting anytime soon, which will be continuing on this season two train because I think we were like 100 episodes in for season one, so I think we'll keep that train till at least we'll, we're well aware of we're 100 episodes in before season three for us starts. But uh, I guess before we continue, he brought up analytics, even though Ethiopia, I don't think, is something that it tracks, which would be funny if it did. We'll find out in a minute. Because I don't even think, is Africa even located on here? Yeah, it is. Never mind. Actually, speaking of that, there is absolutely nobody watching in Africa. <laughs> what about an anaconda? Anaconda? Uh, man, I'm really bad at fi finding places on the map. Jeremy. Not a real place? <laughs> no, it's not a real place, Jeremy. I swear I thought Antarctica. Oh, I think Antarctica. Never mind. Shoot. <laughs> I'm tweeting that. Oh, of course you are. Just convinced my friend, the game hunter. Is that what is your uh, Twitter name? I ain't gonna connect my Twitter uh, <laughs> to that tweet. I'll just look it up. I can find this no matter whether you help me or not. You got the work for it, then. I'm not helping you. Fine. I'll be able to find her, I'm sure. Okay, well, I thought on that, with my public emulation being live-streamed and being, uh, being mp3 to the rest of the world, we're going to continue on with the episodes 31 and 32 of Shaman King. Uh, last time we were le we left off, we were dealing with uh, the aftermath of Ren's death. Also, doing a little backstory. Uh, with how how Yo and uh, Anna met, which I guess before you actually talk about this, I want to say that I, I think I, last time we were talking about this, I mentioned how I wasn't that interested, I guess, with this whole 
backstory with uh, Yo, and I know you mentioned that like we like this is like a way for us to find out more about why Yo's the way he is. I'm finding this actually a little more interesting towards Anna more than Yo. I mean, Yo was definitely a huge part of this, but I feel like this we're learning more. We're learning a whole heck of a lot more about Anna here than uh, we initially introduced to her because she just showed up in episode two, and that was about it. She was just there. She was like, she was just overbearing girlfriend, soon to be uh, wife of Yo. We didn't know why they were either in love with each other or if they were even in love with each other. Which is another thing I was kind of very confused with, but we found out here that apparently not only was Yo in love with with uh, Anna when they first met, uh, Anna slowly started falling in love with uh, with Yo, which was kind of sweet. At least by the end of this, we I mean based on what I can see by the episode thirty two's ending, it seems like very clear that at some point you know we see why she's in love with Yo. But uh, we'll get to that we'll get to that in a minute. With uh, Shaman King episode thirty, Mount Osolave. I'm ruining this name. Uh, Vole two. Uh, the summary here. That was Spanish. De. De is French for two. Le vole de. Uh, the summary for episode 31 is Yo learns Anna has the power to read people's minds while her emotions can create Onis. Meanwhile, Ma- Matamune remembers he was House partner when he was when he was a part of Patch, but betrayed him alongside Yoken Asakura in the previous tournament. Actually, speaking of, like, uh, before we continue, Anna's ability to read minds would be so good in bed. I mean, yes, I mean, yes and no, but what I, what I want to bring up... It'd be really bad in bed, though. I had no idea. I don't have any experience with women. You know this. Would she be like? Would she be like? Oh my god, you're disgusting. Or would she be like? Oh my god, that's so hot. Or would it depend on the person? I have so many questions. I think they'll be depending on the person. But what I, what I wanted to bring up was the fact that now that we, I guess the the basis of what with Anna is here is, not, and I thought about this earlier after watching this episode. Uh, they just. Pruitt's declared Anna to be a very powerful empath. They did. Like, the usually empaths in any fiction typically are powerful to begin with, and also depending on the type of empath you are, you know, power scaling is like all over the freaking place. But with her ability to read minds, uh, to me, it makes those other episodes that she was a part of interesting to me because if, if she can read the minds of people. Does that mean she had been reading minds the entire show up to this point? Because it doesn't—it doesn't seem like Anna's power was turned off. I mean, we don't know that yet until like the ending of this this thing. But it, it to me, it makes so much—it makes things—it makes so many other things make so much more sense to me. Like her her being able to bind uh, house spirits, that didn't make any sense to me when it first happened. But thanks to this episode, it actually makes more more sense why she was able to do that. Was that the only one? Was that the only one who did? A lot of sense. I mean, we knew that she had a little bit more going on than we expected. But I just didn't think it was a whole new power. I thought we were gonna find out that. She had a power. I just didn't think it was going to be such a big deal. Well, I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think she had a real power at all. With the way they. 
I mean, with the way they, with the way the her her powers first worked when they first introduced them to us in episode three, whatever, when she used the, to bring a spirit from the afterlife and then throw it into Yo, I thought that was the max of her abilities. I thought that was all she was going to be useful for, and they didn't really use her that much for that later on. Anyway, um, we found out here that apparently it's a whole heck of a lot more. She, she's able, she's able to like bring demons into existence just based on her emotions. Which is like another part of empath abilities. They can't control their abilities because their you know, abilities are linked to their emotional state. I thought about a perfect comparison of her to this is Raven from Teen Titans. She's an empath. She locks her emotions away specifically for that purpose. She doesn't want to feel things. And it, I found it interesting that there was like that. Anna is like, wow, that's. I'm more interested in her character and thanks to this episode now. Before before I wasn't. It, as you said before, it really it's really interesting how now she isn't just this love interest anymore. I mean, she is still a love interest, but she is more than that now. Based on all this power scaling that they've shown of her. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Told, that's, this is two years ago. And they made her extremely worthy. I mean, it, 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 it is like, it's interesting. That's what I want to say. I mean, we can talk more about that as we go through these notes, because you have three pages of notes for this first episode. No, no, four. four and a, three and a half. Uh, let's see here on your notes here. We have uh, Mount Osori translates to Dreadmount. Oh, okay, so you got that. You got that translated. Thank you. Uh, Gateway to Hell, where souls pause on their way to the underworld. Also commonly referred to as Fear Mountain. Interesting. Um, so these are actually... These are, it's like a tourist, um, a tourist site and like a spiritual center in, in the country that it's in the part of Japan that it's in, and people go there and go through, there's like a yearly tri- uh, festival that people go to, and they uh, <clears throat> they meet with these mediums that used to be like blind women, but they're not blind anymore, um, and they channel the spirits of dead, and it's supposed to be like, sort of like a um, gateway to hell kind of place, and there's a river that's in there, and they, they see that river as kind of like... The River Styx, which you might be familiar with, um, which is one of the rivers in hell. Um, or is it Leaf? I think it's, it's Styx or Leaf that they see it as, and that you can travel through, the, like, you travel over the river to, I think it's Styx, that you travel over to um, get to the afterlife, like it's one of the rivers you have to cross over. And they leave rocks, like piles of rocks behind them to um, keep people away and stuff like that. And there's all these things. So it's a perfect, like, location for, like, a Shaman King episode. Like, but it's also kind of cool that it's, you know, cultural like that. There's all sorts of, like, it's a location of an active volcano, even though it hasn't erupted in forever, over a thousand years or something like that. But um, there's still, like, boiling liquids everywhere and sulfur gases that smell like rotten eggs and stuff like that and um all sorts of things that kind of make it like hell-like and uh but it also has a lot of historical significance there was a buddhist buddhist monk that was looking for a place that um would looked extremely like one of a specific uh heavenly place in, in their philosophy and he found it and he said this is the place on earth that most closely re- resembles this sacred place so it's be- since become one of the three most sacred places in Japan in the first place because it re- I'm sorry it resembled the world of Buddha like as described so he he saw it as the world of Buddha and like you know that halfway point between living living and death anyway um, 
So it's it's really really cool. Uh, you can't get there at all in the winter. There's like one road to it. So it's interesting that they even mention like it's the off season. You can't even get there now because there's no path. There is a footpath, but it's like really hard to cross. Um, but other than that, the one road that you can get to, they don't really make it open in the winter. So even that like little detail of like how it's like different in the winter than it is in the summer is like totally accurate to um, what's going on there. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool that they had like all these different things, um, you know, trying to do that. And the souls of like dead children and unborn babies are building piles of pebbles along the riverbed in an attempt to get to the other side and stuff like that. I think it's, you know, I'm sorry, in Jizo, they don't, the pebbles don't keep the demons away. It's the Jizo, a, po a popular um, spirit in Japanese Buddhism that, um, is protecting the souls from evil demons that are trying to constantly trying to destroy the pebbles that keep them like away, or at least keep the babies from crossing to the other side. So I just thought it was like super cool, like the deep, deep, like philosophical stuff that this was in, in here, you know what I mean? And then the, the lake too, um, is that the lake that's in the area is supposed to be the boundary between the earth and the underworld. Um, and that's actually the one that's referenced, like, the River Styx. I'm sorry, not not a river. There is a river involved, too, but I don't, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in here or completely remember what it's all about. But I just really enjoyed, like, learning about all that stuff as part of the process, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was a lot for me to think. And I, I was listening. I was just trying to, you know, follow it all in your note notes here, Mr. Teacher. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. No problem at all. Most of it was from my notes, but I have a lot in my memory too. Um, so I was trying to like, you know, not just read the notes, but actually process it and stuff like that. But it was also interesting that it was discovered over a thousand years ago when a thousand is like such a, a landmark um, amount of time in the series. You know what I mean? Like the, the cat is a thousand years old and that seems to be like a big breaking point, you know, and the fact that the shaman thing is every 500 years. So... They've had roughly would have about two shaman events like over the course of this, and the other one was really significant. So I think it's all kind of funny. I'm a fan. Yeah, I guess as we're getting slowly towards that, um, here at 5:15, you bring up Spirit Cat Matamuni. Matamuni uh, accuses Yo of love at first sight. I want to look this up real quick because something about the demons and Nikamata in in him are like referenced to be similar. And I just want to make sure that I uh, I want to make sure Yokai. I think that's what he is. He's a Yokai. Okay, our class is supernatural entities in Japanese folklore. Okay, so that's what I didn't quite understand. Um, to be specific, uh, Matamune, the cat with the two tails, he's a yokai. He's technically a demon, but not not in the way not in the way that we think of demon. He he's more of like a uh, he's just a supernatural entity that's just you know got his own. He's got his own like uh, as you can see here, he's got his own way of thinking his own he's got his own personality and everything like that he's got his own like uh uh well i mean besides that besides that he's got his own agency he can he, he's able to do what he wants which is clearly you can see here 
Yeah. But he's not he's not a demon in the sense of like uh what we I guess think of demons as. He's a demon, but it's not necessarily a demon, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh well, a female cat would be a Nekamana. Um is which is like Yeah, which is a yokai. Yeah. They're technically, he's a supernatural, I guess the best way to put it, he's a supernatural entity that can be confused to be a demon, depending on depending on who, who's defining it. As he's they that... gain their natural supernatural powers, they grow in size, walk on their hind legs, and use human language. Uh, the older, experienced ones teach the younger ones to walk on the legs, in the picture in the, in the page. Once they get their powers, some run away from the towns to hide in the mountains. They become large, human-eating monsters. Although these particular legends may actually be animals infected with rabies. Um, that's kind of cool. They haunt their once owners with visitations from dead relatives, summon fireballs. Which is kind of what he's doing here, kind of, with like be how being an Asakura a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what, like, what he is. is that I, I at least want to have a good look at that. Uh, yeah, like yo, yo, like I guess as they're talking, then he, yeah, his episode kind of goes on. We start seeing connections between Yo, Anna, Anna with the demons. We also start learning a whole heck of a lot more about Anna here, which is which is cool. Uh, we found out that she's actually a recluse. Um, because uh, at first nobody knows why. Uh, I mean the the Yo, uh, Yo's grandmother knows she's really powerful and whatnot, and she wants him to save her. As we learn later on that. Uh, her and Hal's powers are actually very similar, almost similar to the point where uh, we learned that at some point the main reason why Hal went crazy is because he had resentment towards humanity, and it's essentially what he wants—he wants to purge all of Earth of humans, except for shamans, because he doesn't think that humans are worthy uh, of being on the planet. It's uh, funny too because that fits so perfectly in with Yo's belief that all shamans are good. Because it's always been, all shamans are good, except for that guy, you know what I mean? But here we see that even that shaman started out good and is kind of, like, spiritually sick. It's not his natural form to be evil. A very empathetic, like, view on that, I thought. I guess, I guess I'm just trying to figure this more... I mean, I, I don't think there's more to Hal than we already know right now, but I'm just hoping maybe there's more. But, uh... Based on his interaction with Matsumune and you know what he what he gave Matsumune later on, but uh, also as Yo was talking with you know talking with uh, Matsumune, he's also bringing the fact that you know Anna told him to die and how mean that was. And apparently he was gonna go tell her off, but his grandmother told him to stop because it wasn't gonna do her it wasn't gonna do him any good because Anna doesn't listen to anybody, which is also kind of funny, <laughs> considering how Anna acts now versus how she acted back then. Which by the way, this is all in two years by the way. I think they're 12 right now in the current timeline. This is when they're 10 years old. So a lot of this happens in two years. Like, this is a long time, but, you know. Uh, you also bring up that Chinkpo and Chinka mean penis. That is something I was already aware of, and I really wish you didn't have to type that in your notes. <laughs> you didn't have to read it out loud. You didn't have to read it. I just put it in there for my notes. Notes do not mean oration. Moving on, we also learned that here as well that apparently Anna can read minds, which is I'm still kind of curious. I'm wondering if she's been reading minds the entire time. This is if she's been in the show. Mm -hmm. 
I guess she could have been, or maybe she just stopped. I had no idea. That's something. That's a power that I'm still kind of confused about. It's like, possible that she learned to control it, um, so that it wasn't like, so it doesn't run wild the way it does. That would under, that would explain how she kind of quote unquote got better. If she was younger and having difficulty, remember they said like, they said Yo's problem was that he couldn't control powers. So if and they said it takes a great power to bring out a great power. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they that they're contribution to each other was completely mutual and that as she as he learned how to control his power by being around her she also learns to control her power and turn her empathy on and off so it's not so tragic yeah makes sense so i would imagine that maybe that's why she's so in control of herself like like the the new version of her is extremely in control of herself so that would that would kind of track that way that makes sense. Also, I guess another thing too is that it's revealed that Anna's aura is what brings in the demons, which is, I guess, is kind of interesting that she's a giant light, like a lighthouse for all demons coming towards them. It's not exactly like that, though. What it is is she gets, like, she starts reflecting the feelings of the people around her, and that negativity that she picks up from the people around her is what creates the uh, the aura problem. So they, the demons it's still a lighthouse. She's still kind of a lighthouse. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not like a, it's not an on-purpose lighthouse. It's an accidental one. You know, she, she's a beacon. She doesn't want to be, which is clearly she said here. She doesn't even. The main reason why she was trying to push you away is because she didn't want Yo to be getting it, get it hurt. So clearly, she's had problems before, and it's probably why she's an orphan. You, you know, her parents, her parents probably died because of this. Um. Though I think he said her parents abandoned her, so I don't know if there's, there's a translation error or whatever. But, um... Like, she, her ability draws demons in. It's not on purpose. We see this several times. Even the first incidents of the demon attacking Yo. Anna actually passes Yo first before the demon even pops up, which is something I didn't even think about the sequence of events. So it's, it's kind of interesting, and, and it really, really, you know, Anna isn't well aware of what she's doing, but she can't control it. But she does have a random instance of control when um, a demon that she brought to the... Uh, then again, I think it's more of a demon she created, but, you know, the demon she quote-unquote created was going to attack Yo, and her and, and her panic to save Yo ends up killing it, like, demanifesting the demon altogether before he can attack Yo. Though it does cause a lot of damage in the, in the process. Huh? Are we sure that Anna did that? Anna says that she did it. She doesn't know how she did it. There's nobody else there that could have done it. I don't think even Muna got there before uh before before he disappeared. Before, so it's very possible then that um Yo is the one is the catalyst there, right? Yeah, I mean she said that all she thought about was trying to help Yo and that's when it happened. Though here at the later second episode, she can't turn the demon off. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, much more powerful, though. But yeah, she kind of manifested it, though, to be more powerful, because she, she mentions that she doesn't like being around a lot of people anyway. But we'll get to that in a minute. It's, like, it's one thing to take a little tiny demon and control it. It's another thing to take like the most powerful demon you've ever seen and control it the second time you've tried to use your power. I could see how, like... I could see how the, the challenge would be a little bit different for the most powerful demon you'd ever seen versus just some dude that crawled out of the pond. Well, that demon made it seem like he was created by her, but we'll say we'll get to that in a minute. Well, in a few minutes, actually. Um, 
I guess here, like, I guess there's actually a huge, a really weird symbolism going on with paper cranes, and I actually, you have it here. Here, no, it's the uh, Orizuru folded Suru crane. Um, Ori folded Suru means uh, crane. Our paper cranes are designed as considered to be the most classic. Yeah, it's origami. I don't figure out, I guess if you found something here that I didn't know about. Oh, you just, you just defined paper crane. Okay. There's a thing about paper cranes where you can fold them and you can string them together from like their most narrow points. And um, one of the interesting things about it is that there's significance to a thousand of them strung together, um, which is a it's like a specific thing that they do with a design. And if you can do it, if you can take a thousand paper cranes and string them together, you're granted one wish. Super relevant in this episode where everybody's making wishes on New Year's Eve, first of all. And second of all, like, there's that thousand, like, number thousand um, significance again. Do you know what I mean? That keeps coming up. You know, that the mountain that was a thousand years old, the, the cat that's a thousand years old, and now a thousand cranes. Like, the thousand just keeps showing up in this episode. So I don't know if I'd call it anything symbolic, but it's definitely some kind of motif. Um, and then you have... Um, then you have the color black, and I looked it up, and black can mean things like strength and power, but black and white typically is more like funeral colors in most, in most cultures, and also in Japanese culture. So it seems like black, in this case, the black, you know, thousand black cranes would be more like the funeral colors than um, necessarily like anything else. So I thought that was interesting that it's more like a dark wish, you know, like a thousand black crane. If a thousand white cranes is a wish of anything you want, then a thousand black ones would be the opposite of that, and like the anti-wish, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the last thing you wanted. Sorry, and I was just, if y'all were just reading on to the next portion here about Naka Oni, but I guess the city that they're in right now, uh, you also brought down that Naka is a city inside of Japan, well, in the Irabakari Prefecture of Japan. Uh, your Danaka is a human relationship. That's interesting. Actually, that's kind of interesting. Actually, now considering that, that's I guess that's what's kind of what's happening here is that they're trying to get trying to get uh, Ana to have a relationship with Yo to save her. Is what the words they keep on saying is that they're trying to save her from like what how what happened to how. Right. Which is interesting. I mean, I also want to bring this up too. That the, the whole idea of her kind of having similarities to how also makes sense about why how even allowed her to slap him, slap him in the first place. He probably wasn't prepared to deal with the demons as she could summon if he were to, I guess, um, aggravate her. Or it's just how's um, I'm sorry, Yo's tendency to um, sort of absorb negativity, like negativity just falls right off him. So she slaps him and. No, I'm talking about how. Oh, yo. How? I don't know how. I'm, I'm talking about how. Like, <laughs> dang it, dang it, man! You know, I'm gonna move on. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move on here. I don't think there's anything here. I mean, you bring up Oni as a kind of demon, well, kind of yokai. Your name is in the way of this sentence, but uh, uh, kind of a yokai, which we know that uh, which is a Nikamata, which is what Matsumune is. Uh, demons, orcs, ogres, anything with it, like folklore, Japanese folklore, or even just like fairy tales in general. Typically, anything in those things is, is a is what is a yokai. They're not really demons. 
coming out of its head. It can be red, black, blue, yellow, or white. One thing I thought it was interesting was um, that they're known for cannibalism, and this the first thing this thing does when it can is like eat a bunch of spirits. Kind of, I know he absorbs them, but like you see him like lick one off his lips and stuff like that. It's very like eating. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, they become tamer in modern culture, and even like sort of like gargoyles that like they mount statues of them on buildings to scare away other spirits and things like that. So it can be sort of a protector spirit, but it doesn't seem like that's what they're going for here at all. It seems like this is more like the much more traditional version of the spirit. Wait, um, yeah, okay, I, I just noticed I was going through your notes as you were, as you were, as you were, I guess, like coming, uh, I guess, doing a big uh, overview a summary, which you had down here. Um, yeah. There's an anime called Peach Boy, but you and here have a, a well-known fairy tale called Momotaro, which is translated to Peach Boy. I didn't know this. Oh yeah. No, I didn't. Like, I guess, is there anything you could think of within anything you found in your research about that show that could have been applied here? I didn't know that that was so um, significant, so I just kind of like just kept it in there as a. Okay, no, that's no, that's no problem. I don't think it's any real significance. I mean, if you couldn't find anything, or if it didn't, you know, you didn't something you didn't think it was uh, important. I just kind of, I just kind of remembered this because I wasn't aware. I don't the things anything I've seen of that show, it didn't appeared to me to be fairy tale inspired but i could be going completely 100 percent wrong if Pe- i didn't know peach boy was a, a fairy tale at all and i didn't know it was popular mm-hmm. i didn't know i've never heard of it before but it's really cool to hear that oh wow i looked up momotaro and he's it's a popular hero in japanese folklore for sure yeah literally translated to peach boy uh his name translates to Peach Taro, a common Japanese masculine name, and is and often translated as Peach Boy. Momotaro is a title character of various books, films, and other works that portray the tale of this hero. So it might the anime I'm talking about might just be borrowing the name. Uh, it might not be. It might not mean anything. Uh, there is a popular notion that Momotaro is a local hero of Okayama Prefecture, but this claim was invented in the modern era and is not accepted as consensus in scholarly circles. Oh wow! It looks like well, I mean, the idea of Peach Boy—he was born from a giant peach. Like James. Dang it! Dang it, John. Is his father a peach? Momotaro was born from a giant peach, which was found floating down a river by an old childless woman who was washed, who was washing clothes there. The woman, and this is this is this is a translated, I guess, story, summarized story. The woman and the, her husband discovered the child when they tried to open the peach to eat it. The child explained that he has been bestowed by the gods to be their son. This is very like the Christianity uh, Jesus thing. What? Is his father or is his father not the um, son of a peach? No. As far as okay, I can so tell. He's not, the, he's not a son of a peach. Okay. The couple named him Momotaro. Momo meaning peach. Taro be meaning eldest son. So they named him the oldest peach. That's funny. Uh, when he was five years old, he was he. I mean, we have we have things that don't seem odd to us that might seem odd to somebody else, like naming people month names or calling them Amber. No, I, I get that. I mean, I'm not really making fun of him. More just like pointing pointing out what that literally means. People can run with that whatever they want. Uh. 
when he was five years old, he was able to cut a big tree with just an old knife. Yeah, this is definitely a fairy tale. Uh, when he matured into adolescence, Momotaro left his parents to fight a band of Oni, demons or ogres, who marauded over their land by seeking them out in a distant island where they dwelled, a place called Onigashima, or Demon Island. In, in route, Momotaro met a friend of Talking Dog, Monkey, Pheasant, who agreed to help him on his quest in exchange for a portion of his rations. Dumplings. At the island, they bring out dumplings in this episode too, which is funny. Uh, actually, they bring out dumplings at the at the festival, where there's a lot of people actually doing anything by mistake. I feel like it's really one of the more intricately built episodes I've I've come across of this. At the island, Momotaro and his animal friends penetrated the demon's fort and beat the band of demons into surrounding. Momotaro and his new friends returned home with the demons, plundered treasure, and demon chief as a captive. Oh wow. Uh, let's see. The this, this standard type of Momotaro was defined and popularized due to them being printed in school textbooks during the Meiji era. Huh. So they literally call, I guess, stories of this type, they call them Momotaros. That's super cool. So huh. what I mean, this is like the richest anime that you would never fully realize. Wait, there's another story? Uh, it's another story, I guess, uh, not, a Momotaro was not born from Peach. It's apparently about, like, uh, elderly an elderly couple who ate a Peach and regained their youth. It's a subtype, and apparently it's called Rejuvenation Type. Uh, Kaishin Gata, I guess is how you pronounce it. Kaishin? Um, well, the other subtypes are termed, uh, Birth from Fruits. So the Momotaro that I just read, that one's a Kaishin, a Kaisei Gata. But the other one, but I guess being returning to your youth is uh, Kaishun Gata. I'm, I know I'm butchering all that, and I apologize, Japanese people who are watching this. I apologize. Uh, I didn't notice. Okay, this is interesting. I need to look at that Movatari anime to see if there's any connection. <laughs> um, but let's see here. Uh, where was I in your notes? Yeah, I guess this would be all that we see with the Oni that popped up. Uh, well, the Oni that, uh, the first Oni that he popped, that he ran into when he was first interaction with Anna out in the daylight. Anna, uh, Yo is accused of destroying the storefront, which is kind of funny. It's it a demon, but it was a demon doing it, but the, the storefront owner couldn't see him, but it knew it was an evil spirit. In one line, Yo won, sort of. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm not clear on why the demon disappeared, but at least it wasn't there and Yo was alive. Let me move on to Matsusume or Matsumune. Uh, regrets a day 500 years ago. We found out that Matsumune's original uh, master was, in fact, uh, Hasakura. Hasakura, sorry. Um, that's interesting. And also, it makes that one scene I mentioned last last week about uh, there was there was a visual image of a guy holding a giant sword and you see Matsumune in the distance like in a big like uh like one of those like um mural like images where he's like he's just this big image over in the distance over a mountain so like that, that... I looked this up um and I didn't click on any wiki things or anything like that but from the google search I could I accidentally so, excuse me saw something I didn't seem to be much of a spoiler but it looks like he um this whole thing 
this whole story of the day 500 years ago was like part of a uh, a prequel to the series. It sounds like it's something that I didn't want to look any deeper because I didn't want to find anything anything I shouldn't know. But that didn't seem like a spoiler, knowing that they actually developed that whole thing into a prequel story. Yeah, I know the I know the creator of the series. Um did something more and I know he actually I think he's actively still doing stuff for the manga for Shaman King I don't think he's any, I don't think he's doing anything from what I know the new stuff he's working on right now uh, is supposed to be about uh, I don't think this is much of a spoiler because we know they get married but um, Anna and Yo's kid uh, like in the future they actually have a kid I think they're doing something I don't know what's going on there I, I just know they actually have a kid yeah so like, uh, like he's doing something. I guess like, I guess he, he's still interested in doing Shaman King, and who knows? Maybe I don't think they're going. I think this is going to be the only Shaman King thing we get. Um, but like maybe some OVAs show up, uh, dealing with some of the backstory of whatever happened five hundred years ago, or a thousand years ago actually, with um, you know, with Matamune and how. Well, also we find out too. The main reason why Matamune is no longer around is clearly he uses a lot of Furyoku. He has to defeat the demon that they that they end up fighting. So he literally just passes on after using all the power that Hal gave him all those years ago, which is cool and also brings the fact that why you know Hal and Hal and him are the same age. Literally, they're like a thousand years old because they came from the same era. Uh, here he, like we have Matsumune bringing up the fact that he uh, he's the reason why Hal lost in the first Shaman King tournament because he turned on him five hundred years ago. Uh, well, 500, 500 years ago at the time that we're seeing him reminisce about it. Uh, which is cool. Yeah, you bring it up here that I see the reference some prequel to Shaman King. Don't know what's going on there. An interesting Easter egg. A moment ago in the series, the Image Me versus the Piece of Work, which I happen to know is a Hamlet reference. What a piece of work is a man. It's part of the uh, to be or not to be speech. And it's just interesting that they specifically said piece of work because that wouldn't translate very well. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's an, what taught me about it. Is like, I was like, it's interesting they said piece of work because I was like, I wonder what Japanese phrase would tie in one-to-one with a Shakespeare quote. And what I think really was going on there is that it was a Shakespeare quote um, that they were quoting. And then... It was interesting to me that they had that scene, and then you have, at the opening of Hamlet, which is the quote that that's from, you have this really interesting scene where the guards are walking along, and they, they're they really freaking out about the possibility of ghosts in the area, and, um, and they're being really, really spooked by ghosts, and then in this, you have two guards, which is the exact number, doing pretty much the same thing the guards were doing in, in the first place, acting spooked about ghosts and it's it's like it was almost like a lot of it was very not unlike a recreation of that scene and it's not like a big 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 reference there but it's such a close parallel that i had i couldn't miss it i'm glad you got something for that because i i remember there was a phrase that i know the cat says but i i know i feel like i've seen that phrase somewhere before but he just said it in there he said something about someone being a piece of work and i was like I just, I didn't, wasn't worth me going back for the exact second, but I was like, that's interesting because, like, how did they translate it over to that? And then I saw that and I was like, that's really interesting that, like, 
now this is happening. And they also mention the cold at some point, how cold it is. And that's one of the first lines of Hamlet as well, where he says it's bitter cold. And they had a mention of cold in that scene, too. And I was like, that's super interesting. Like, that's they were talking about the cold and ghosts. And those are the exact two topics two guards were talking about in uh, the opening scene of Hamlet, Francisco and Bernardo. That's intriguing. Actually, speaking of that scene here, uh, after all that happens, we uh, see the very first instance of a living Matamune, or I should say a nameless cat, because he didn't have one. He was an abandoned cat. And apparently, how being able to read his mind, because we, we learned about this much earlier on, um, how being able to read, read the cat's mind was able to tell that not only was the cat able to see ghosts, he also could tell that he was abandoned. And because the cat was capable of seeing ghosts, it didn't run away from them. He took the cat in and essentially, um, at the, after the cat died, managed to make him his guardian spirit. But uh, I guess one of the interesting things here is the fact that uh, you bring up that how uh, how had a change as well, that, you know, he seemed more... He, went, he had a crazy situation happen to him at some point, and he turned crazy. Here he seems the most sane and most stable we've actually seen him from this entire series. Uh, yeah. And he takes in a cat that he doesn't know. This, could, this thing could have rabies. I think he one of the guards bring it up that he could be diseased. <laughs> he assumes that it's diseased. I think one of the cat. I think one of the. I think one of the guards bring up that he might be diseased. I know he says that he says that the cat has a plague, which actually, funnily enough. There's been a plague happening during the time when Hal was around, so it's, that's even more interesting. There's been a lot of death happening around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the plague has anything to do with him, but it's interesting that we see in the time era that he was originally from, there was a plague happening. And they, they keep bringing that up, too. There was a plague happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, he brings in the cat, and we, we also see that a little bit of like what like life was with Hal... Uh, he takes a he takes a liking to his cat so much that he brings him to his house. We also see that I think you bring up earlier on about guardian deities guarding demons from crossing over. We see a guardian spirit that Hal made apparently because he's that powerful, uh, guarding uh, guarding special spots in the, uh, over throughout Tokyo or Japan. And he brings the fact that uh, there was like they're there specifically for whenever there are uh, huge gatherings of people. And you know, demons and whatnot from uh, or bad spirits from affecting uh the uh, affecting people, innocent people and whatnot. So it's interesting that you know there's uh, talks of a uh, guardian spirit in Japanese folklore, and there's one here that we, we get a chance to see, and the cat can see it, which is interesting too. That uh, I guess another thing too about for some people who probably don't know that it's it's been stated that animals are more sensitive to the spiritual than we are. At times, mm-hmm. so sometimes they can see things that we don't. Typically, when your dog's barking at something you can't see, that doesn't mean another thing's there. It's probably seeing something that, or sensing something you can't. Um, which is a scary thought, nonetheless. But you know, you, you never know. It's interesting that this, this cat here, you know, how how can see that it can uh, see d- dead people. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know they're dead. Uh, dang it. Uh, let's see here. Um, Reishi, see here. I think you probably explain this a bit more. Cause you bring up a lot of Taoist stuff. Oh shoot, there is a lot here. Uh, 
Oh, I guess this is talking about what he did to Matsumune when he was alive. Yeah, you even have used for immortality and bolded. Um, during that scene where he like uh like the cat is like growling at the at the spirit that no one else can see but him and the and the cat, he uh he gives him a uh, necklace uh endowed with his uh well he tells him to wear it the entire time while he's alive, and then the moment that he dies it will imbue it would imbue him with near immortality. And uh, he could he'll be able to live for I guess he said he can live virtually forever uh, with it. And mm-hmm. we also learned that apparently the main reason why he's capable of doing that is because he endowed it with fury, his own furyoku, which is interesting that he can just give away his own energy like that, uh, and give it to, and put it into something and then give it to somebody else to use it as a medium for them to be able to uh, physically exist. Which I guess is the reason why one of the main reasons why Matsumune is capable, it has a physical body, and why he can sleep, and why he can eat, which is something that Yo brings up a lot, too, is the fact that uh, he's never seen spirits affect the physical realm, and this is the first time he's ever seen it. This is also another thing, too. I'm actually kind of curious, does that mean when we get to present day, is that what's going to actually start happening? Is we're going to start seeing things affecting the physical realm all of a sudden? Because we haven't seen any of that until, like, just now, in this, in this flashback. Mm-hmm. It would be pretty cool. I feel like what's what's probably going to happen because they keep they bring it up here and that's what's you know how's abilities. We don't know what much do about. Sorry, go ahead. We don't know much about how's abilities in general. Uh. So it looks like drug use is what brought his downfall. Uh, what do you mean? Because he uses reishi. Um, which is that a drug? Yeah, it's a it's a drug. It's a woody mushroom that was seen as a uh, as a um, medicinal thing in, in old times, and they were believed to be a medicine for a lot of different ways. But another thing it would do is it was hallucinogenic, and it would was believed to give follower people that took it the opportunity to see spirits or become spirits themselves. And the idea here is that he and it's also used for immortality, which is what we're seeing. With um, with how anyway, you know what I mean? That he's basically immortal; that he can keep being reborn, so he's therefore immortal. Do you know what I mean? The same way that like I don't know, Avatar is immortal. Um, so he's he's immortal, and he's also got this like spiritual opening. You know what I mean? That he's like kind of opened himself up with this with with this mushroom. So. And it's hallucinogenic, so maybe it made him a little less stable. So that would explain why. Um, wait, 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 wait. Are you are you trying to say that our main villain is tripping balls? I'm saying that I'm sure that Shaman King has made the uh, medicinal uses of this legitimate. Do you know what I mean? That he's are are you, are you are you saying that he's tripping balls? Yes. yes. <laughs> Okay. But I'm also saying that it contributed to his his current immortality and that um Well according to here, I mean what I mean could, I, I, with like spirits and stuff like that or become one himself. I guess that makes sense. I guess what well, I mean basically what I took from all this, I mean I didn't really get any of that mushroom stuff. I really saw the word Reishi, but I, when I saw Reishi, I immediately thought about bleach, but that's beside the point. Uh but um so bleach is tripping boss? I don't know what's going on in Bleach. I mean, Reishi, like, according to them, at least in that anime, I think it's like a spiritual like cloak or something like that. I don't know. I, don't, I have to rewatch Bleach to understand what happened there. I haven't seen that anime in years. 
But um, what was I about to say here? No, I like a lot of like House insanity was the fact that he couldn't stand. I mean, he he, he saw in the hearts of humans and he didn't like what he was seeing, and essentially made him crazy to to the point where he started manifesting demons, which is also an interesting point to bring up too. Apparently, he wasn't manifesting demons at first. That's he got to a point where he started manifesting demons. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like these were contributing to his loss of control. You know, either I mean, expanding power or loosening his hold on it or both. I mean, I can see it. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that, like, at least when I, I his, like, like, he 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 was like he was losing he was losing his grip on reality regardless if it was if the mushrooms really made him lose the complete grip then I mean hey mm-hmm. I mean like but uh, I didn't see all that I'm glad you brought that up I didn't really I didn't know I saw the word reishi and I was like and after that I like I, things were kind of a blur yeah I mean I got a contact high from that I had no idea were you tripping balls I don't know you know, I got a contact high from all that I don't know I don't think you get a contact high from an animation with the words <laughs> reishi in it. But uh, with that, we're going to move on to episode 32, which is a continuation of this. Um, by the way, there's another part to this backstory, because this episode ends on a cliffhanger. I'm very upset. Uh, but see, episode 32, Mount Orsur Levoli, whatever, butchering that name. As Yo and Anna grow closer, gal closer, uh, the former learns of the latter's powers involving reading memories. During a festival, Anna's powers summon a super oni, which kidnaps her, while Timuni goes with Yo to save her. That's the basics of what happened there. I mean, not much more to say there. Uh, Anna is, I guess the, her name, her full name is Koi, Koyama Anna. Uh, that must have been her name when she had a family. Uh, we, uh, we, I guess we see them go on a, on a date, quote unquote. I guess what you can consider that. You know, they were alone in the room watching. Uh, I couldn't tell you what was happening on that. Day. I don't remember. That, that, that what looked like that looked like what they were watching to be the equivalent of MTV. Back when MTV was making was actually making music videos and whatnot. And uh, they, they have their own. They both have their own like favorite musician. But I want to bring attention to um, Iwa Ringo. Uh, I guess I want to say before I go into Iwa Ringo, was there any like I guess like pop culture reference that could be attributed to Bob, the guy with the black guy with the afro and the unicorn? Maybe what Bob Marley are you saying? Well, the guy named Bob from the uh from the well, the, the the singer that Yo wanted to see. Yeah, uh, why would that not be Bob Marley? Was there any symbolism with Bob Marley and Bob Marley and unicorns? Uh, Bob Marley was kind of like not unicorns so much, but that I know of, but definitely um. A proponent of the pot leaf insignia that's all over his stuff. If you look, you can't look up Bob Marley without a pot leaf, like showing up somewhere in search. I want to, I want to, I want to prove you wrong real quick. <laughs> I just did it. Bob Marley. I don't see any pot leaves. Just trust me. If you scroll down a little bit and image I, search, I, I am. I am scroll. Well, I mean, image. I the image search, but I see a lot of his images. Oh man, time was not kind to Bob Marley. <laughs> Perhaps not. Perhaps not. 
Um, but if you looked around long enough, you'd see it's a pretty common, iconic image of the pot leaf. Um, try Bob Marley logo. That might be better for you. I don't want to see the image of the pop up when I say Bob Marley logo. <laughs> no, if you if you do Bob Marley logo, you'll see at least one pot leaf. That and the peace sign are really common for him. So. Anyway, Bob Marley is pretty well connected to it. Dude's got a pot leaf on all his clothes. That explains the pot leaf. It's not just literally pot leaf. It's a Bob Marley logo. You know. Who the heck is Ringo a reference to? Ringo Starr. Who? Wait. Ringo Starr is the only Ringo in music, and that's one of one of the Beatles. But that one is that woman is is a like a goth like I'm mean, not goth like she she has like some uh death metal in her I think not death metal I'm saying I'm just saying words now but uh hang on what about Yoko Ono look up Yoko Ono and tell me what you think about that that's Ringo's uh, wife. Huh. Apparently this person is still active. Uh, songwriter, peace activist, hearing, uh, missionary, 1969, Vietnam War. It's a stretch, but that's the only, that's the best I can do for that reference. She probably doesn't have to be a reference to anybody. I just uh, like I, I was more I was more like fixated on that Bob character. <laughs> Ringo is like over the top famous. Like Ringo Starr is is one of the most famous Beatles, and like probably the second famous or third fam most famous. And if, if you know anything about the history of music, like Ringo Starr is like way up there. Um, he's like a living legend if he's still alive. And then Yoko and Ringo's um, fallout, or is it John Lennon? It's John Lennon um, and Yoko Ono. That was her. That was his wife. But it's not impossible that it's that's the reference. It's very very subtle if that's the case. But it's the best I can do. It's just Ringo is so overwhelmingly probably Ringo Star reference that I can't tell you what else it could be. Well, the reason I'm bringing her up mainly is because uh, the similarities between her and uh, uh, and uh, Anna that that oh, you'll bring God, up. He's 81. Sorry, go ahead. The reason I bring her up is like uh, the similarities that you'll brings up between her and Anna, where you know Anna brings up the fact that you know Ringo isn't as mean as she appears. She's just like putting up a front to protect herself because she's because uh, of her um, emotional vulnerability and. Uh, Yo brings us up, and he's like, and Anna gets all embarrassed, and we get a little funny scene with uh, with uh, Anna and Yo, and she's telling him to leave again, even though Yo's not gonna leave, and like he's like, I'm not gonna leave because, and I find this scene funny to me because when I first watched it, I forgot Anna could read minds, so when she turned red, I was like, what happened? And then immediately I was like, oh, she can read minds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, I had to rewind that scene just to get the good, better context of it. But I find it kind of funny that like she could read minds, so she was able to read whatever dirty thing was in his mind at that time. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Although I'm pretty sure all it was the fact that you know I love you and whatnot. Are you really pretty? It was probably one of those two, and it made her really embarrassed, which is typical of uh, anime chicks in anime period. You know, you call them pretty, they get all embarrassed. But um. She's- vulnerable too and if you're feeling that feeling point blank it's obvious they had sort of a love at first sight thing going on i know i mean i brought it up earlier that you know i find this entire thing as much as i didn't like it before i actually like it way more now mainly because we get more insight on anna who i think needed the who we need the insight more on than yo not saying we didn't need yo we didn't need insight on yo but i think we needed it more for anna because her dedication her devotion to yo was kind of really random it was still random all the way up until this point. Now we know where they, how far they, you know, they came from to get and where they are right now. Sense, yeah. Huh? It makes almost perfect sense now how someone with her attitude would be so close to you. Yeah, I mean, all this is like making sense. You know, like you know, she she clearly didn't find Yo gross and whatnot, and she cared enough about Yo to tell him to leave her alone because she didn't want him to get hurt. Something that on a present day wouldn't wouldn't show too much, so you know. She still mean it. She just wouldn't show it. I ain't saying I mean she just wouldn't show it. I'm just saying that it is like you know she wouldn't be emotionally vulnerable. Though later on in the series we've seen her be emotionally vulnerable to a point. You know, not all the way, but we've seen a lot. We've seen her be more vulnerable as of late, present day. Mm-hmm. But um. This is kind of cool that, you know, we, we get a chance to see that those two are kind of like having dates all throughout the thing, just getting to know each other. Uh, looking at this like little line here. Well, I guess before that, um, you, uh, you know, Yo's trying to help Anna cope with her abilities and whatnot. And because she's like, she's, she doesn't like being around people because of what it does, you know, to her mind and whatnot. And uh, Yo makes a promise to her to fix it. And then we get to the crux of why she really wants Yo to be Shaman King. It's actually kind of sweet and almost kind of selfish because both of them have kind of a kind of a selfish motivation to be Shaman King. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yo isn't really trying to be a hero, so it's just like one of those situations where it's like you know, it, it's it's sweet but also kind of selfish because she want he wants a he wants a, an easy life, but she wants to be rid of her powers or at least have them in check. Uh. So it's kind of it's kind of funny in a, in a really weird way. It's like you know they, they both have a very selfish interest vested in this, but it's noble in a really weird way. Um, you know, Yo wants to make the world an easier place for shamans to live in. Anna wants to be able to have her powers in check. You know, so it's like they kind of it's, balance. It's not selfish if you realize that she's another potential how. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that aside. I mean mm-hmm. that, that that aside, it's like they balance each other out. Is this what I'm trying to say? You know, they. If they are truly bouncing each other's powers out just by being near each other, which is an amazing uh, connection, by the way. But, uh... We got that, don't we, honey? Oh, yes, we do. My wife just came in. Oh, we balance each other's powers out and keep each other in check. And we complement each other so well, don't we? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Did you come to say goodnight, honey? Oh, can I have a big kiss? Well, that's uh, that's Jock and his wife. Everyone, uh, say hello, goodbye to uh, 
Mrs. Spirit Magic Helmet. If she can hear. Oh, she can hear me. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to put me on speaker. Dang it, Chuck. You've been on speaker the whole time. Oh, I have been? Dang it. Every single podcast, yeah. Bye. He's gone. <laughs> Dang it. I'm the worst. Yes, you sure are. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> I don't mean that, jeez. Um, you think I'm the worst? Moving on here, just trying to get a quick look through your notes. Also, using my own memory from the episode, too, just to make sure I can bounce anything out here. But, um, yeah, Yo invites Anna to the temple, to, to, to the temple so she can make a wish for New Year's, which is a, a motif that's been brought up a lot. That's New Year's Day. Uh, New Year's Eve, sorry. New Year's Eve Day. Um, Yo takes her to the thing, he takes her to the temple, or asks her to go to the temple with him. She's very, uh, against it at first, and then she, uh, goes with him. Another instance of Yo's ability to make people feel calm. Um, even Anna. And, uh, he promises to her that, you know, he either, like, he'll either, they either wish away her, her, her that wished for her to get control of her powers, or, uh, he'll become Shaman King to help her put it in check. Or to fix it is what he says, and uh, again, this is like one of those situations where it shows like the relationship and how like I guess how comfortable they are around each other. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes those first episodes make more sense now, even though I'm still kind of confused about why uh, he's so afraid of her during training, which I'm hoping maybe has something to do with her abilities to draw demons in. I'm guessing it's the only other thing I can make. It's only it's the only other thing that can make sense to me. So it must be her demon drawing powers, and so who knows. Um... The grandmother's concerned, you know, that her being near a lot of people and stuff as wishes is going to, you know, just really stir up her powers, which she wasn't wrong. But uh, Matsumuni says that he'll go out there to uh, stop any demons that go out there that pop up. But this is only learned that Matsumuni is, uh, Furiyoku is actually starting to drain. Um, and this fight's going to be his last, apparently. Uh, which That's is ex- a nice full circle thing for him that he, like, lost how and now he's gonna stop another how from happening i mean yeah so he's i mean he's he's, he's character arc completion if that's what ends up happening which it looks like it's going to i i have the faint this feeling that he's gonna just gonna disappear and that's why we don't see him uh because even with him being a wandering spirit you think he was shuffled at least once in one of these episodes so it makes sense why he doesn't exist anymore or at least yeah. why he passed on uh Let's see here. Uh, oh, you keep bringing up the 108. <laughs> 108 earthly desires. Uh, 108 defilements and pure thoughts. Yeah, this, this this is like what's all happening at the you know at at the um temple. I mean, everybody's you know gonna be wishing for whatever they want, selfish, selfish or not. Uh, they get attacked by demons and uh, Yo is running around. And he tells Anna to run. Anna is, of course, not going to run because she's apparently lost all movement in her legs. <laughs> or all feeling in her legs. Um, you bring up the fact that Naka Oni actually is absorbing and cannibalizing all the smaller demons and grows larger. And this is the first time we see this. And we also see him transform or at least level up. And he turns into a red Oni. Who we also learn uh, through his fight with Matsumuni is sentient. He's intelligent. Which is also dangerous because apparently the other ones that were being the other demons that showed up weren't uh, weren't capable of intelligent thought, but this one is. 
and uh, essentially he, uh, I guess to quickly sum this up, he ends up, uh, well, he ends up losing his arm in the fight with Montemune as he uses, um, I guess, a huge portion of his power. They cut his arm off. He takes the arm off and starts running, captures Anna, gets her to summon at least a couple of demons, and they weren't enough. So he ends up taking her and running to uh, to the land uh, where like uh, souls pass through to go into the afterlife. Right. And essentially, as he's running, the episode cuts off. The demon is approximately two minutes old. Declares it's always follows through with threats. <laughs> he's like, I always follow through with my threats. And be like, what? From like a couple minutes ago? That's when you were born. He's not wrong. You're not wrong. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I thought it was pretty silly. I guess before the episode ends, like uh, Yo ends up like uh, like running after Anna. He gets captured, and we see this repetition actually pop up before because uh, in present day he brings this up that you know he he does feel sorrow and regret. He he said he he feels sorry. He's trying to save Anna because he brought her out here when she didn't want to. She didn't want to be a part of the festival. He, he, he like she knew what was gonna happen, and he felt he he was feeling you know sorry for himself, and he was feeling sorry that he brought her out here. We see this, we see him do this uh, at some point in the future. I forgot when it happens, but he, he feels upset or whatever. Oh no, when Monta gets opened up by uh, uh, Faust, Faust, Doctor Faust, he feels bad for Monta there. But I guess actually Anna was present in the episode too when when that happened. That's a lot of episodes where Anna was present, and I was wondering what she was doing there. <laughs> but I guess I mean this is these episodes have done a good job of like really you know fleshing out Anna and his relationship because sometimes it felt one sided. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. So I can't wait to see uh, Yo's uh, spirit bomb at the end of this. Why, Jock? Why? Because he meets the old man. The old man's like, I owe you one. And I I feel like maybe what he's going to do is be able to gather a lot of positive energy that he can then deploy at his demonic enemy in a way that um, they're humbled by the collective positive energy and spirit of the, um, the people in general. Oh, wait, this is Shaman King. They don't deal with spirits. What? Oh, they do deal with spirits. It would actually be perfect. Okay, so they deal with the spirit, and they, you know, and they say that, um, I don't know, they maybe some sort of attack based on the positive energy of all these people on this creature that's created out of negative energy, and he creates a, I don't know, like a ball or a bomb of energy of some sort that then can be used to negate the negative energy of his enemy. And it would be like, it wouldn't hurt him to touch it, but it would hurt anyone evil to touch it because it, it affects negative energy. No, that's silly. They would never put that in an anime. You done, Jock? You, <laughs> yeah. ha- you had your fun? <laughs> I had a lot of fun, sir. I can tell. Because you weren't stopping. You didn't even take a, you didn't, you didn't even take a breath from that, from that. You just kept on going. It was really good. I I may or may not have like hopped myself up on something before this call because I'm pretty sure that's evident. I hope it was caffeine and nothing else. It was nothing. Nothing, not even caffeine. This is my natural state of mania. 
Is this your final four? No, it's not even my final four. Okay, I think we've reached in the uh, the the I guess the hysteria that just happened there uh, that I had no part of, um, and I think we had to reach the end of the episodes too. Uh, this th these episodes are really good. Uh, I will say, uh, all in all, Shaman King from episode one to thirty two, been really good. I have uh, I've been introduced to a lot of new things I didn't know about the Shaman King universe, which I'm happy about. Because I uh, if I remember correctly, the original anime of this ended really weird. Um, Actually, the ending didn't make any dang sense. Uh, I'm gonna say it here because I don't think it's gonna happen in the in the in the, uh, in, in this thing because that wasn't really officially canon. Manta apparently gets the ability to be a shaman. I don't think that happens here. I could be wrong, and if I did, if I if I did, I am sorry I spoiled that. Um, but it doesn't make any dang sense. I mean, granted he can see spirits, but I mean, he didn't go through any training to do that, so. So I don't even know. I don't even know if really Monster's ability to see spirits is going to come back in, in the future or not. I mean, I guess it would make sense, but I mean, I don't know, because they, they waited a very long time if they were going to do it at any point. I think it's like too late to give him the ability to have a guardian spirit. Possible. I mean, anything's possible, because I mean, he's here, but I just, I don't know. It seems kind of late. Maybe nobody in the entire anime will have a guardian spirit. Well, with the way Howe's doing with things, he's going to obliterate all humans on Earth. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, before we end this off here, when he does obliterate all humans on the on the planet, is he going to obliterate all the spirits, too? Are you talking about the human extinction attack? Okay, we're going to end it off here. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.